Hey everyone, Tom here, Alpha Metallica, here from Birmingham, actually recording this in my old room, the room where I grew up, I'm looking at a Zack Wilde poster now, because I just saw Metallica for the first fucking time, and it was, maybe it was the best show I've ever seen in my entire life, I mean it kind of had to be, didn't it, but it really was um, unbelievable, my ears are still ringing, my legs hurt, my back is a small city of sweat um but yeah i figured it makes sense um to record a little recap a little review apologies if i ramble or there's not i mean it's not a very coherent show in general is it really but um i'm pretty tired but i want to do it now uh while it's still fresh and just to go through and yeah maybe just go give you guys into an insight into the um into the evening and the set and the performance and um, all the incredible stuff that went down. And just before I do, as always, uh, please subscribe to the show on YouTube, on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes as well. That would be um, hugely appreciated. Uh, you know, helps us to get us up the algorithms there and such. If you want to help the show as well, comment, uh, share, recommend to a friend who, who likes Metallica, who likes um, in-depth music podcasts. Patreon is great as well if you want to go a little bit further patreon.com forward slash alpha metallica essentially what the patreon is is a way of giving back to the show and getting episodes um before they come out so uh currently on the patreon is uh the lars ulrich on who wants to be a millionaire uh, episode that i did with luke that was a really fun episode also cure which is next week's alpha metallica that'll be out um this coming monday uh we brady trampham great to have brady back on the show as well that was a, another really great episode so um yeah as i say this was my first time seeing the band i know i've mentioned this show a hell of a lot um you know on this show uh building up to it but uh never actually seen them before i'm not sure why i didn't see them in 2009 uh when they're in the world magnetic tour when they came to birmingham again i don't know if this was the same place they came to um but regardless my girlfriend was wonderful enough to buy me a ticket what happened was they actually went on sale in march and i started alpha Metallica in may i think or at least it kind of went live in may so I wasn't necessarily in full-blooded, you know, Metallica mode at that point. So when the tickets went on sale, um, the podcast was still in its early phases. And I remember I was at work and it's kind of, you know, it's hard to sort of just really be, you know, a devout clicker. Um, so they went very quickly uh, as they want to do. And then I remember coming home and my girlfriend was just kind of like did you want it she was like did you want to go metallica she's kind of and i was like yeah i wanted to but you know obviously nothing could have happened i was sort of saying that me and my friend were both trying to get tickets for each other but but nothing came about it and she kind of gestured to the laptop uh which is on the bed and i opened the laptop and as a screenshot uh, on the screensaver was the Ticketmaster, um you know receipt there confirming so that was unbelievable so thank you thank you so much um uh, for doing that obviously and yeah it was an unforgiving experience as well which was very cool uh, a bit of a different uh, kind of kind of way of um way of getting to the venue so um so yeah i i, I i'm in birmingham you know I, I live in oxford um live and work in oxford but i grew up in birmingham so it's kind of nice uh, to have the show here and um you know nice to come back and see the family and stuff like that i got to the venue about four o'clock or so um it's the genting arena which is just by the airport in birmingham um if you if you're aware of it it's part of this sort of mass complex of shopping malls and exhibition centers and you know whatever else and um yeah i wanted to get there early i knew that the doors 
for the um, Unforgiving Experience open at half four, and the doors for the actual show open at six. So I wanted to get there early. You know, I wanted to kind of. I thought I had, obviously I had the day off work. You know, I had nothing to do. I was like, well, I might as well get there as early as possible to try and get to the front row. Spoiler, I did. Which I think is the first time. I don't really go into many concerts anymore, but I used to go to concerts all the time when I was younger. I, I think the last time I was in this actual arena, it was called something else. It wasn't called the Genting when I was there. I saw Iron Maiden on the um, Matter of Life or Death tour. I think it was the last last time I was there, 2006. Um, I remember I saw them. They were supported by Trivium, who I adored at the time. Um, they were touring the Crusade, which is a fucking great album, as is the um, predecessor, Ascendancy, and the follow-up, Shogun. Those are some good records. Um, and oh, Steve Harris's daughter supported as well. God, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that just came into my mind. Now, Lauren Harris, she was awful. That is nepotism at its worst. But yeah, I remember being in the mosh pit for that, and, you know, I was 14, and, like, we had to leave almost instantly when the band came on because we were just getting crushed, me and my friends, um, you know, by, by these by these giant Maiden fans, um, Denim Bedecked and all that. So, anyway, I told you I was going to ramble. Anyway, um, we, well, I, you know, I was on my own, which is, which is fine, you know. Um, I saw I saw quite a lot of solo Metallica heads riding there. I got to speak to a few of them as well. Um, you know, Metallica is a family, as, as James reminded us tonight. So, yeah, um got to the venue there's kind of a queue sort of outside ish there's kind of like a, a smattering of people it was already getting quite busy to be honest with you there's loads of um people around not necessarily by the unforgiven entrance but there were a lot of people around and um i kind of asked the woman and she was like oh yeah it's kind of around here but there was no queue yet and then suddenly a queue sort of started uh, towards this door and we could see through the glass doors these two giant crates with the you know classic touring crates with the metallica stencil on them filled piled um with with bags with see-through transparent bags where a, where a poster was visible it was tough to see what else was in there but a poster was visible and um that was our you know that was our gift, really. That that's what you got on the Unforgiven. I I thought I was going to see the museum. Um, I, I think that was on the higher ranking one, so we didn't get to see that, which is a little bit upsetting. So, yeah, we queued up and we're sort of waiting, queuing up for about twenty minutes or so, uh, waiting to go into this Infogum thing. The door opens, everyone's like, ah, and then you know, we don't actually go in. It's kind of waiting, waiting, and it was quite um, interesting actually because as we were queuing up loads and loads of people are passing obviously loads of people are getting there really early and you could see the actual queue for the main door going like snaking around the building in comparison to the quite minuscule tail of the unforgiven queue so it kind of made me a little bit smug like i think the other thing unforgiven was like 170 quid which is like a lot of you know it's a lot of money it's like 200 odd dollars uh, to you yanks over there so yeah um, obviously thank you <laughs> to my girlfriend for buying me that this was a one-off sort of treat very very generous of her um so yeah we got that advantage the door opens i was a little nervous actually because um the ticket was in her name i don't know why i'm really telling you this this is so useless information but the ticket was in her name and there'd been talk on the metallica forums of people being id'd and it not matching the ticket and being turned away. So I got in touch with CID Entertainment, who were running all the sort of Unforgiven and Whiplash experience and meet and greets and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> and to be fair, they were, they were really good at getting back to me. They were really quick. And they basically let me know that it would be fine as long as I had a photo of my girlfriend's 
card that she used to buy it with, a driving license and a note, um, you know, sort of saying, I give permission to Tom that he can go to the show, sign me. And we actually took a photo together of us smiling with the note just to, just to make it a bit more complimentary there. So we got it. I got in OK. And then you queue up to actually get your merch. And then there, you know, they, oh, no, it's not your name, you know, but but he got sorted quite quickly. God bless this old man. He uh, he took his time, but he got there eventually. And then we got given our bag. So what we got given was, I wanted a T-shirt personally um, because they were very expensive. On, you know, they're like 30, 40 quid or something. Um, but, yeah, we got a poster, which I've lost. Yeah, I've lost it already. Um, basically lost it. Uh, in the mosh, it's kind of. I imagine it happened to a lot of people because they give you your stuff and then you put they put you into this thick clog of humanity, thrashing around. Inevitably, it's either going to get bent or ruined. So, yeah, that's gone. Um, hopefully, that's gone to a good home uh, and a cap as well. I never wear hats ever. I have actually exceptionally large head. Um, I've never been able to wear uh, caps. Always got to do them to the furthest buckle, and they always just look weird on me. But um, yeah, I've got a World Wired hat, which is quite cool actually. It's quite nice. The quality is quite good actually, and the buckle on the back has the Ninja Star on it, and um, it says like wherever I may roam in in the actual lapel and stuff. Is is lapel a hat term? Is that is that more of a dress term? I don't really know. But uh, it's late. It's it's like it's like half twelve. But um, uh, yeah, so we got this stuff, and yeah, you know, for me, what the unforgiving given experience the benefit was not the merch as such i'm not really a merch head it was being at the front so essentially what it allowed us to do was to queue up then to get into the actual stadium itself and the line formed and because i was quite early i was probably like five or six from the front which is which is really really good so we were all kind of a bit smug to us i was like oh we're obviously going to get to the front this is going to be fine there was a little bit of a trouble but but but, but it worked out okay so and then i just started talking to the guys you know who were there um and, and yeah, I shoehorned in that I did Alpha Metallica quite quickly. Um, there was talk of Cliff, and I was like, oh, I interviewed his dad. They were like, no way. And I was like, yeah, you know, it, it was a bit cringy <laughs> in retrospect. But um, you've got to get your listeners somehow, uh, dear listeners. Maybe you're listening now, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we were just, just hanging out for about an hour or so. You know, it passed quite quickly. I, I think I saw Lars. I think I saw Lars through the curtain. He, he, he looked small enough with his backwards cap, but it was more of a silhouette than anything. But perhaps it was him. So... You know, we're waiting, we're chatting here and there. And then about 30 people come in front of us who I imagine were maybe on the meet and greets or the museum or, you know, because like there was like four or five different packages you could buy, the Unforgiven being, I think, the lowest of them, which is crazy for 170 quid to be the lowest. But, you know, general admission was like 85 pounds. So, you know, Metallica aren't those slouches on that. They don't need to be. They sold out. You know, they they deserve uh, to charge us, and it definitely was worth the money. Um, so yeah, these guys go in, and we're all getting a bit antsy, like, oh, are they gonna like take our, you know, are they gonna like feel the whole thing? And eventually, we get in. We have to like hold our, uh, you know, hold our wristbands aloft to make it clear that we're in standing. We're all ushered in, and it was it was mad. It was just we, in the best possible sense, we went in, and there was just so much room. Like, you know, and the way the stage was laid out was kind of a bit like the cunning stunt stage where there's mics all over the place, drums in the middle, uh, the rise, the centre. So essentially anywhere you are, you know, you're not you're not really getting a bad spot. And I was lucky because I didn't even realise at the time, but where I went was on the rail um, right in front of where the drum tech was. So Lars, Lars's sort of cabinet of all his sticks and, you know, various sundries was there and the tech was there and it, you know some interesting stuff happened there as a result of that later on the show so it was quite cool to be there and then you just sort of waiting around like I, I, I did something which I've never done before at a concert but because I was on my own 
I mean, I was initially thinking of taking a book or something, but it's just a bit cumbersome and, you know, whatever. You don't want to be that guy. So um, I, I took my girlfriend's um, pink headphones just because I normally have, like, over-ear headphones that you can't pop in your pocket. So she has, like, these little thin, um, you know, running headphones. So I took them and, you know, in the most sort of meta, you know, maybe the universe would implode upon itself. I, I, was, I was waiting at a metallic show. I was listening to Metallica podcast. I was listening to Metal Up Your Podcast, um, their latest episode on the uh, the 598 EP. Uh, listened to about half of it. They actually mentioned me being at the show during it. So it's like, you know, obviously shout out to Clint and Ethan every single time. And um, that helped pass the time as well. And yeah, you, you sort of, um, you know, you're elbow to elbow. You're sort of chatting here and there. There was, um, there was a guy next to me, a kind of small dude with like a big... M on his hand, like, uh, from what I gathered, he'd been to quite a few concerts, and there was this 19-year-old girl with her dad, um, it was very cool, actually, this giant flag, this giant Irish flag, and on the flag were the two dates, was today's date, um, the 30th of October, well, yesterday's date, I suppose, now the 30th of October, when the show was, and then the 30th of October, I think it was 92, which was the show the dad had been at, but obviously the girl wasn't born then, and they were just saying to some guy, I sort of overheard that, like, the flag was to commemorate that, like, you know, X amount of years had passed on the same date. And they spoke to one of the guys, and the guy said to them, like, because they, they, they said to the guy, like, oh, you know, we've got this flag, could you give it to the guys? And the guy said, oh, I'll put it in the tuning room for them now. And the dad was over the moon. The dad, like, shook his hand for her. She's like, would you do that? Would you do that? And then he didn't do it. I don't think it was malicious or anything. I think I think it was just agreed that they maybe give it to them afterwards. Because Metallica love this sort of stuff. It's very cool to see that. And, um, you know, they were rocking out later. They absolutely loved it. So, you know, that was cool. And then, yeah, just sort of passing time here and there. And then we had the support band eventually come on. It was interesting because a lot of people pointed out that not only was there a pumpkin, or I think a few pumpkins around, obviously Halloween, etc., etc., um, but there was an owl, there was like a sort of taxidermied stuffed owl with like light up eyes, also kind of on, on the stairs leading up to the stage, and you know, a few people were chattering about it, anyway, the support band comes on, this uh, Norwegian band, um, I'm going to butcher the name, but I'm sure if you've read the name you'd butcher it too, I'm going to call them Kvelatak, I, I, I think I'm happy with that, they come out, leading a Dom's the Owl, like, like a, something out of um, Eyes Wide Shut, some like Rosicrucian sex organ or something. Um, he 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 starts hyping people up. The band's setup was quite interesting. So, singer, bassist, drummer, three guitar players. Um, which there were occasional harmonies and interesting stuff going on. I mean, it was all in Norwegian was the problem to a certain extent. So lyrically, um, you know, in terms of choruses, in terms of hooks, it was a little hard to be entranced by it. But I really enjoyed these guys. I have to say they were upbeat, but but in a kind of unique way. And, you know, the guitars were awesome. There was the second song especially, which was very chug-heavy, but had this really nice kind of um, harmonic interlude throughout, which, which I really enjoyed. And the songs were long and intriguing and... You know, like, they, they started out with this sort of pedal point riff as they came on stage, and everyone's clapping their hands, and, you know, the moods lift, you know, the mood's getting really high, like, you know, it's very, very exciting, and they kick into this riff, and then this next riff, and then, and it felt like they had three songs, and then the song ended with the same, but I was like, God, that was one, you know, um, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna check these dudes out, you know, I can't obviously give a comprehensive review of them, but, you know, one thing I will say, they loved being up there, they had very infectious energy, they worked the crowd well, often, 
And one of my favourite things in rock music ever is just guitar players playing guitar at each other or harmonising or leaning or laughing. You know, I love seeing uh, interactions of six-string players. And these guys, all three of them, you know, like a power trio in of themselves. Um, so, yeah, shout, shout out to... Um, Clavera, I've already said it differently, but shout out to, shout out to this uh, support band. They were really good. So they wrapped up. Um, you know, I think they're about half an hour or so, you know, and everyone's sort of filling in now. Um, I should say as well that, you know, just before this band got in, we were all kind of there, you know, us kind of like premium guys. And then the general admission came in and they all ran and, you know, it kind of it kind of made me glad to a certain extent because I had the rail to hold and you could sort of you know just chill to, you didn't have to sort of lean on anyone or sort of ponder and my legs ache still now I think it's just because I'm not used to it or whatever but yeah it's um it's tiring it's tiring being a Metallica fan but it's also it's also worthwhile so yeah bit of you know bit of pausing um songs being played a balls on parade I heard which I hadn't heard in years which is great to hear just reminding me how fucking good that song is and the seats all around were filling up as well it did seem um maybe about half an hour or so till showtime that there were just swarves of empty seats around but that seemed to have been clogged up i saw metallica tweeting um maybe you know when we were waiting early maybe about six o'clock a few hours before show that there were some tickets available maybe there were maybe they got you know picked up i'm not sure um but it was pretty much full capacity it seemed like maybe 95 percent capacity and um long way to the top if you want to rock and roll came on which got a huge cheer because people know obviously that this is a song that leads into ecstasy into gold which oh man when that happened when the lights went down and everyone's singing that you know that melody that that really 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 pulls some notes out of your vocal cords um that was awesome that that, oh man hairs were standing on end um the crowd were packed in tight and then we got the hardwired tape, and oh man, I just can't explain. It was an overwhelming feeling of joy and excitement came over me, a childlike glee. Um, you know, I, I, it was surreal. It was very surreal to be there, and the hardwired tape was playing. And kind of from our angle, it was kind of hard to because they had the runway coming, but because we were quite at the front, we didn't have kind of a overhead perspective, but everyone started cheering all of a sudden so it's like okay clearly the band guys are there so i look down the right channel and i see rob come out and rob like runs right in front of us and rob's like high five and everyone but like kind of he's, he's pulling his hand away as i'm pulling my hand out so i just kind of like affectionately pat him on the shoulder and he passed and that was that was weird that was like fucking hell it's rob trujillo like jesus christ and then uh lars came on and then james strapped on his guitar on the step and came on and then they kicked into hardwired and it, it sounded fucking fantastic. Like hardwired, it, it you know it's a song that I enjoy. It's I don't you know it, it works incredibly well as an over, especially the we're so fucked moment as well. Everyone was chanting that. Everyone was in full throat, and it was oh man, they were great. They were they were really good, and we were so close, like so so close. Like I post some, um, I took one or two pictures on the. Um, uh, uh, when I was at the show, and I'll put them on the Meta- at Metallica Pod Twitter, but there was a mic right in front of us where we were, kind of in Lars's drum section. And Jesus Christ, man! Like there were several times when when James would take that mic and sing at various moments, and it just to be so close to the guy, uh, just to see him play, to see to see him be James, like you know. So yeah, hardwired, fucking awesome. I, obviously, I know the set well, so I knew they were going to go into Atlas. Crushed it. 
absolutely crushed it. The harmonies were fantastic. Kirk was on fire tonight as well. Like I'm, a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kirk critic, but like he nailed every part. Like he was really, really good, especially uh, in certain songs we can get onto. Um, you know, James then bit of an interlude saying, you know, everyone welcome. Obviously, we're going to play lots of new stuff, but we're going to play some old stuff. I love that Seek and Destroy, which was so traditionally, I don't know if it was a closer, but it was definitely something, maybe it was a closer, actually, but, you know, something that they would end shows with. Um, here is the third song. Works so well in this spot, you know, because it's just, again, the crowd participation, that giant chorus. Um, and, and, yeah, they were wonderful. Then we got Shortest Straw, which wasn't quite clear to me what it was at first, and I think a lot of people wasn't quite clear, just because it has a ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum, like, kind of that stop-start, and I think they they said on their Twitter, like, it hadn't been played in four years or something, it definitely felt like something new, very cool that we got this, this was really good, people were going crazy, like, because you're on the rail, you just kind of, you're static, really, you can, you can, you can, you know, manoeuvring yourself, but you're not kind of part of a, a mass crowd, and behind, everyone was crunching forward, and, for straw especially, this felt really strong. Then we got to, like, I don't know if this was the highlight, probably the highlight, Sanitarium. Incredible version of this song. Absolutely one. Kirk's playing was delicious on this. The leads in this song are, are magnificent, of course. And I thought Kirk was, Kirk was just fantastic. Lars as well, because Lars was sort of, he, we were side on to Lars, we were aft um, to Lars, just to witness his energy, like the guy just, you know, just so supremely, just, you know, unbelievable, like a dynamo, um, he killed it, we got, um, now that we're dead as well, you know, um, live forever, etc, uh, this was great, this was really, really fun to see, they did the drum thing as well, which, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I know a lot of people are sort of calling it out or whatever, even in the stadium shows and stuff. And yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of fun. And you know, I, I, I love the sort of hardwired, um, you know, what's the word, the theme visually, the palette that they're going for, the sort of distorted faces stuff. And I like seeing them on the cubes and the whole cube design, by the way, hanging above really fucking cool, they go low as well, like, they, they would sort of pump in and out, and then kind of hang overhead, similarly, like, when, when, like, I was recently in the audience for a game show, uh, on the BBC, and they have, like, one of those, you know, panning dolly cams, and they tell you before you go live, like, you know, don't look up, like, you, you'll feel like it's gonna hit you, but it's not, and it felt a little bit like that with the cubes at times, but, um, yeah, and, uh, they, yeah, they just, they just showed loads and loads of cool stuff, especially in Sanitarium, where the cubes, they were like prisons, and there was just kind of, um, you know, gelatinous kind of face, almost like a zorb, just like someone trying to get out. You can just see like the kind of, kind of similar to what the hardwired iconography is. Really good. Obviously, I wasn't kind of, I think you'd appreciate the cubes more if you were, if you were sitting above in the rafters rather than down below. They kind of, you know, you're kind of above you to a certain extent, but um, they were really good. It was at this point as well, um, as I say, so it was in front of Lars's uh, drum area, and his tech was there, and then there were three people who were there, who, I think they were like VIPs or something, um, you know, they had sort of lanyards around the neck, there was a very um, attractive model, uh, not to be objective or anything like that, obviously I don't want to be, but you know, she's a very pretty um, model, 
uh, lady, um, and some guy, some like smartly dressed guy, and then a slightly more sloven. Look at me insulting everyone again. I'm not. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. Like there's no judgment. Slightly slovenly, portly uh, gentleman. So there's this trio there. And I, I was wondering at times, who are these people? Like, why are they, why are they at Lars's thing? You know, I, I wonder, maybe they're just there? I don't, I don't know, is this his spot? So uh, I'll get to them in a second. So then James um, sort of talked to the crowd. Do you want something really heavy? And, you know, you can feel the crowd getting really excited. Like, you know, he's like, this is really heavy. We get Dream No More, which, you know, it's heavy. I, 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 could, t- I could feel in the room the air sort of went out of it. They're like, oh, they're playing a new song. Like, obviously, to someone like me, it's like, I know all these songs really well, but... There were certain moments. Uh, Halo on Fire as well was another one where the crowd... It was really good performance. Really good from James. But again, the crowd... That's one thing I will say about James throughout the show. He gives a fucking 110%. He's in it. He loves it. He loves playing guitar. Loves playing these riffs. Like, all his crowd work as well. Not just when he's on the mic talking to people, but just when he's playing and looking at you and smiling. And there was this funny thing. I think it was in um, For Whom the Bells Tolls, which was... Unbel- again, keep using unbelievable, but the whole the whole night was unbelievable. I can't believe we just saw Metallica like a fucking hour ago. Um, but yeah, for whom the bells toll was just from the bell toll. Sorry, I know I always say the wrong plural there. Um, was magnificent. Uh, Rob kicked us off by doing a primitive sort of hey hey slow, and then it got into the dung 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 dung. Like it, yeah, transitioned really really well, and just oh man, I couldn't believe I was seeing this live. It just it just oh, and I think dur- it was during this that. James came to our side and was just playing the riff, and then he sort of smiled and revealed that he had like a like a missing front tooth, and he sort of had a look as if like what me, and then he kind of licks it away or spits it out, and he was just kind of like a guard or something. I don't know, some sort of prank he was pulling, but you know it's very him. Um, then got Am I Evil, which not expecting that. Awesome to see that. Uh, check out the episode with Martin Popoff, early episode, great episode. Really cool to see him playing this. Reaction to this was huge. People loved hearing this, and they got to the point where it goes that sort of thrashy riff, uh, you know, you know, and then cut into fuel, which was just it was kind of a, a nice shot in the arm actually, because in spite of having bells, dream no more, now that we're dead, halo, they kind of brought the brought, brought the pace down slightly, just in terms of like the crowd energy, but fuel definitely threw it back up there, and. Um, yeah, I should say, just before Am I Evil as well, we had uh, Kirk and Rob uh, doing the doodle, or the noodle, or, or the, yeah, one of the, one of those two. Um, and I know normally they tend to sort of just, just riff or just play or, you know, just, just sort of uh, masturbate. But they, you know, here they, um, they you know, they're, they're paying homage to the city. So in Manchester they did Don't Look Back in Anger, which... Um, I don't know if overseas listeners might not be aware, but that's became somewhat of an anthem um, post post the Manchester attack, as well as obviously being you know an iconic song in of itself. So it's very sweet that they played that. Here they played it a bit more traditional. You ask anyone about Birmingham, um, they'll say Black Sabbath. You know that is the band that kind of you know is 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 from here proudly. Um, you know people might people might say Led Zeppelin, but Led Zeppelin is technically black country, which isn't really Birmingham to be a to be a nerd about. Diamond Head as well but obviously they're not well they did a diamond head song so uh they paid homage there as well but um they did um war pigs which is really fucking awesome um i loved how kirk would ape the melody as well ding 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 yeah really cool to see him doing that a few off notes here and there but really strong and um 
obviously Lars and James are chilling at this moment, and Lars came right in front of us at the drum drum section, um, chatting to guys, chatting to the people that were there, you know, the smartly dressed man and slightly slovenly man, and he was fucking loving Warpigs, man, he's right in front of me, he's rocking out to it, he's clearly having the best time, he got like the pumpkin out and was like offering the pumpkin up in sacrifice and stuff, and then he kissed the model, uh, in a way that only husband and wife kiss. So that that was Lars's wife um, that was there, and she was she was she was rocking out, man, the whole night. It was very cool to see uh, her enjoying herself there. So you know, it's very sweet to see them on tour together. Yet Fuel killed it. Fuel, man, one of those songs where you know I'm a bit of a reload hater. I know that, but Fuel is an awesome track, no doubt. And you know, when I when I saw Fuel in, on the Neems DVD, um, you know, live it's reborn, and I think here it just worked yet again. With the fire as well. God, that fire was hot. We then, um, James spoke to the crowd. He talked about this, this, you know, a new drug that he, that he kind of was aware of in, in his, um, long, long career fame, which I guess has always been around, but it was quite poignant what he was saying. Dedicated the song to Amy Winehouse as well, which kind of made me realise what a fucking, you know, tragedy, what a loss, um, that was. Kicked into moth. Moff's a classic, Moff's a staple, Moff's, Moff's a wonderful song, um, great to see this live, Into Sad But True, which again was just, uh, and, and just before Sad But True, James spoke to the crowd as well, and like, apparently some guy in the crowd had seen Metallica 140 times, although he did say like, you wouldn't lie to me, would you, so maybe not, but still, that's, that's crazy, Lars spat, you know, his patented spat, patented his spit into the crowd, um, James wasn't happy in, in, in a comedic sense. James also spoke to a 15-year-old who was there with his best friend. And then the 15-year-old's dad was, like, higher above in the risers. And, like, his dad was, like, flagging, uh, you know, wildly. And James sort of pointed him out and kicked into sad but true. Which, you know, again, it's just so many songs. I can't believe I was seeing sad but true live. Um, killed it. Into one where the cubes were wonderful in one where they were pictures of all old soldiers and also newsprint um, from UK newspapers as well, just kind of filing past, informing you of decisions on, you know, on battlefields far, far away. Interestingly, though, at this point, when they go into the breakdown, the darkness section, um, the power seemed to have cut out. So so kind of they the Lars's drums just began and then it all went. The mics didn't work, the bass didn't work, the guitars didn't work. James just sort of was looking around a bit helplessly. Everyone was a bit like, "What? what's actually going on? No one seemed too annoyed. Um, Rob sort of pretending to juggle, um, you know, which which was nice. But, um, yeah, they, I, I, don't, I don't really know what happened there. Birmingham Power System couldn't deal with it. But eventually they kicked back into the song, kicked back into Puppets as well, which, wow, so fucking good. And then... Good night, Birmingham. But of course, you know, they're back for the encore. Spit out the bone, which I think is like the third time it's been played live or something like that. So that was really fucking cool to see, man. That hammers live. That's really good. Nothing else matters. It was beautiful. A wonderful rendition. And really, I mean, arguably you could say Halo, but maybe Sanitarium as well. But And, and one, but you know, nothing outwardly ballady ballady. Because obviously they all have heavy sections. Nothing has the solo, but I mean that's not really that heavy. But this brought things down, got things intimate, and then Sandman, and then we're done, and then it was over. It was it was over in a flash for me. It was so quick, 
and it was just such a ride. The guys are such consummate professionals. Like, whenever they came over to the audience, it just felt genuine. And, you know, it must be so great for them. Because just if Kirk just walks over, everyone's like, ah! You know, myself included. Like, it was just, um, you know, a delight. A delight to see these guys. So, see, so yeah, a shout-out to Metallica. Shout-out to you guys for listening as well. I know I've been rambling. There's no reason why this should be half an hour long or so. But, um, yeah, overly tired. Hopefully you've stayed with me. But, uh yeah, that was it. Metallica. Monday, October 30th, 2017. They played Birmingham Genting Arena. And your boy, Tom, representing for Alpha Metallica, was there. Had an absolute, absolute blast. Definitely going to pick up this show uh, audio-wise as well. If you're thinking about maybe getting one, maybe check that out. But I'm sure they're all, you know, ridiculously high quality. Obviously, just have this emotional attachment to it. But, um... Yes, shout out to the Genting Arena. Shout out to the Uber uh, that was prompt for picking me up as well. Um, shout, you know, shout out to all of you for listening as well. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I love this band to death, and it's a joy speaking about them on a weekly basis. I, there was some rock star as well. I should close. We've in the last section. There was this guy that looked like Chris Jericho. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't Chris Jericho because I'm pretty sure Chris Jericho's on tour right now. I did check his Twitter so in, in America, so it couldn't have been him. But it was some sort of rocker dude with sort of like long hair and a hairband. Maybe someone who's listening maybe knows who I'm talking about. I don't know. Maybe knows who was with Metallica's entourage. But I noticed that because he was right in front of me and the mic's right in front of him. So whenever the guys were there, Rob noticed him and pointed him out. And James did as well. Both during songs, they sort of winked. And at the end of the song, I think James pointed at him and smiled. So they clearly know each other. Maybe it's just a friend of theirs that's just, just there. Maybe some guy. I don't, you know, I don't know. If you know, let me know. Metallicapod at gmail.com. Subscribe to us at Metallicapod. Um, comment. Get in touch with the show. Do you want to come on the show? Do you want to review a song? It'd be great to have you. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you want to come on. But yeah, slightly overtired. This has been Tom. Um, we'll see you for Millionaire, which is coming out very soon. But until then, peace. Peace.